Welcome to Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio preaching ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus. We're in the middle of a series called Ask Hard Questions, and today we're going to listen to the second part of a message called All is Temporary. You know, let's get a head start on Ecclesiastes. Let's go to the text right now. We have some new couples in our church, and when they get married, there's this test I have them take before they can get to the place of picking a wedding day, usually. And uh, there's a question in there, and it says, will more time with your spouse make your marriage awesome? And usually everybody answers true. The answer is false. When you get more time with your spouse, you will just become more of what you are. And if your relationship is kind of rocky, it will get more rocky. And if your relationship is awesome, it will get more awesome. And if it's bad, well, you shouldn't be getting married anyways. See, that is the experience of life. And there's something inside our hearts that is, why is it that I have this amazing experience with this person, or I have this amazing thing happen at work, and I come up with this great idea, and then I come home, and I experience somebody who's broken and angry, and I constantly live between these two tensions. Let me give you one of our two questions to think on tonight. Maybe you're thinking this question, how do I live within the tension of creation and the fall. That's what's on Solomon's mind. How do I make sense of this world that is on the one hand awesome and on the other hand a mess? Look back at the text with me, verse 12. He says, I the preacher have been king over Israel and Jerusalem and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is temporal vanity, a striving after the wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight. What is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all those who were over Jerusalem before me, and my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge, and I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly, and I perceived that this also is but a striving after the wind. Now Solomon's looking for wisdom. Solomon's looking for a way to make sense of this whole world. Really, that's what wisdom literature is all about. It's about learning how to live in the real world that we're in. Now, I want you to think about your own life for a minute because what God calls us to do is to live with wisdom. Wisdom is living from God's perspective. If you want to ask, am I a wise person, ask yourself the question, do I live my life based on God's perspective, which is God's word? Is that the perspective that I live with actively? Now, think about this with me. Some people try to live their lives like there's only creation in Genesis 1. They are the over-idealistic person. I would even argue the delusional person at times. How are you doing? How are you doing? I'm doing great. My aunt just died of cancer, but I'm doing great. No, you should be grieving right now. 
Now on the other extreme, on the other side of this is the person who lives as though the fall is the only reality that there is. And they live with a sense of hyper-awareness of brokenness. This is the person that is almost always on the verge of despair. There is a fatalistic approach that they bring to their lives. It's as though it doesn't matter what happens. It's all going to fall apart anyways. Now, in between these two extremes is what God calls us to do. This is what this book is going to help us to do, which is to live with wisdom. Wisdom is living with a biblical sense of reality. It's living in the real world from God's perspective. Now, here's the beautiful thing. The more we live our lives in line with God's word... The more we live with wisdom, the more of creation we will experience and less of the fall. But here's the thing you also need to see. It doesn't matter whether you live entirely with wisdom. You still are going to have to live in a temporary setting. And that's what Solomon is thinking through and kind of wrestling through. Living with wisdom helps me with this tension of creation and the fall, but wisdom does not remove the limitation of temporariness. Look back at the text with me in verse 18, the last verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Even with the beauty of wisdom, he ends this chapter by saying, for in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. It's almost as if he's found a way to say in his time what we would say in our time. It's just better not to know. Or ignorance is bliss. Sometimes the more we study about a matter, the more we become disillusioned or discouraged. The idealistic young person who dips into politics wanting to make a difference only to find corruption and other things that just gnaws at them. Or the person that seeks to go out and make a difference in the medical community only to stand by person after person after bedside after bedside as people pass into eternity. Can I really make a difference? But no matter how much wisdom I live with, death is coming. Death is coming to you. Death is coming to me. We are temporary. This past week, my beautiful little daughter decided to do a beautiful thing that only little daughters can do. She, um, I was working downstairs on something and she came down the stairs and she goes, hey dad, would you like me to make you a cinnamon roll? Like, what's the answer to that question? Yes, how soon? And so she went upstairs. She's so excited. They found this way. They have this little package. They make these cinnamon rolls. And there's this amazing drizzle that goes on top of it. And she made it for me. And I came upstairs and I started to eat it. Now, in that moment, I was experiencing life and death at the same time. That drizzle over that cinnamon bun is like having your mouth in heaven. But at the same time, the very thing that I'm eating, I kind of had the sense that it was knocking off about eight hours of my life. And see, this is our experience with life. Even as we're doing things we love, we know we're experiencing life and death, creation and the fall at the same time in a temporary environment 
what do we do with this life? Solomon says it better than I did with my cinnamon rolls. Look at chapter three. Scoot ahead to chapter three quickly. He says it much more poetically. Ecclesiastes 3, 1, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. Then look ahead to verse 20 of chapter 3. He says, all go to one place. All are from the dust, and to dust all return. Verse 22, so I saw that there is nothing better that a man should rejoice in his work, for this is his lot. For who can bring him to see what will be after him? Time comes, time goes, we come, we go, but time keeps marching on. Think about your life for a moment. You're filled with energy. You have plans for your life. You hopefully have some vacations planned, especially after last year. We're going to do things. We're going to go places. We're going to experience things. But let me ask you this question. If you have kids or grandkids or hope to have grandkids, Will your great-great-grandchildren even know what your name is? The chances are they might not. You see, the reality is we are living under a temporariness that we run into like a wall. Solomon, in 1 Kings chapter 10, it says this about Solomon. Put yourself where he's at. It says, thus King Solomon excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. And the whole earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart and his mind. Every one of them brought his present or articles of silver and gold and garments and myrrh and spices and horses and mules so much year by year to the point, if you look down at verse 27 of 1 Kings 10, it says that the king made silver as common in Jerusalem. Solomon had, they couldn't build banks fast enough. He was, he, everything was rocking. Everyone wanted to hear from him. He had things to say about all kinds of things in the animal world and in the building world. He knew the most and he had the most wealth. He had everything going. And yet at this point in his life, he's asking the question, I still can't solve the creation fall tension. I can't live beyond my time. I'm going to have to leave all of this that I have acquired to someone else. I can't see into eternity. I will die like the lowliest, most indistinguished person in my kingdom. And that's where he turns the corner and begins to despair. And he says, all is temporary. This is Pastor Luke Aarons from Vertical Church. You know, as a result of listening to Meeting with God Daily, I hope that your passion for Jesus Christ is growing in such a way that you're learning to share your faith with others. You know, that's something that our church is committed to, equipping men and women to share the good news of Jesus through personal witness and church outreach. And if you don't have a church here in Columbus, Ohio, we'd love to have you join us this weekend. Go to verticalchurch.life. I think there's some wisdom for us to just pause on for just a minute. Too many times we can live our lives like we are going to live forever. And the message of Ecclesiastes is, you're not. 
You're going to die. You're going to run out of energy. Tragedy is going to be a part of your life. You will die. And everything you touch, every achievement you make will be forgotten certainly a hundred years from now. Time will move on. People will move on. And that strikes at Solomon. It strikes at us. The beauty of Ecclesiastes is that it forces us to think about the beyond. There must be something more. Now, not only do we need to think about our own lives and what we're putting our time and our energy and our prayers into, it's also a reminder to us, perhaps Ecclesiastes, you could call it the launch point of the gospel. Because really what he's talking about here is the thing that every one of the people on your block are thinking. Every one of them has to think about the reality that time is running out. We had one of our neighbors just pass away recently. Time is marching on. Here's the second question I want us to quickly think about. Is this temporary material world all there is? Certainly humanism, secular humanism, materialism would tell us that all that matters is material. Only thing that matters is what I can see. And if I can't see it, it's not real. And when you die, you're just dirt, you're gone. So live with gusto, live for today because today is all that counts. It's very interesting that Solomon... Here in Ecclesiastes, it's like he's, he's seen creation, he's seen the fall, he's thinking through those realities and wisdom, and he comes up right on the edge, right on the edge of biblical revelation and biblical knowledge, and he can't go any further. In all his wisdom, he knows more, he's forgotten more than most people in his day even ever knew. And he comes right up on the edge. And this man who is so curious and so inquisitive, who could answer all these riddles, comes right up to the edge and he can go no further. All he can do is look over the sea of temporariness. And through the fog, he can barely make out a lighthouse on eternity. And the good news is Ecclesiastes is only half of the puzzle. Really, Solomon puts us in the shoes of a person who is living without Jesus Christ. And I would say that today, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, if you're living your life in a temporal way and you're not living it as though you're going to be in eternity, this might be a turning point for you. If you're living with a sense of all is temporary and that's all that matters... Perhaps God is reaching out to you today and wants you to see that he has something bigger, something better for you to live. One of the amazing things about where this text is, is that Solomon can look back to the creation and the good that God made. He can look back to the fall and the mess that we made. But really from that vantage point, 3,000 years ago, he cannot look to the rest of what is coming, but we can In Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul would write, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation, listen carefully, for the creation was subjected to futility, 
not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. Now, the interesting thing is that that word in the Greek for futility, when they translated the Hebrew Old Testament, that word is the same word that they use to translate this word hebel, futility, temporary, in Ecclesiastes. What Paul is saying here is that he's describing the same thing we've just talked about, that all of creation was subjected to futility. I work hard, but I can't seem to get anywhere. Even if I accomplish great things, I have to walk away from it. My life will end. Will people even remember my name? All of those types of things, Paul says, God subjected a sinful world to futility. In fact, I'm going to ask you to write that word down right next to temporal, futility. You can build. You can build relationships. You can build a family. You can build all kinds of things. You can build buildings. You can build a house. You can build a new house. You can get a car. You can build a car. You can rebuild your car. You can do all kinds of building things, but there will come a moment when the temporariness of the creation and the fall, and the fall in particular, is going to end your building, and you will be done. You are dust. Creation plus the fall leads us to a feeling of temporary, of futility. And maybe some of you are like, could you just stop, Pastor? Like, this is just getting worse and worse. I come to hear hope. Don't you remember last week was Easter? I do. It gets better right here. Look back in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11. Solomon, again, looking through the mist, not knowing the rest of what God would reveal in Scripture. He says in verse 11, he has made, God has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart. Yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Eternity. Think about that for a moment. Romans 1 says that God has put it into man's heart to know that there is an eternal God, that there is a creator, and that we have the choice either to push down that thought, where did all of this come from? Is this really all an accident? Or is there a God that created the eyeball, a God that created humans, a God that created all the beauty that I see? And scripture says in Romans 1 that we have a choice whether to embrace the fact that God has put eternity in our hearts or to try to shove it in a closet, ignore it, and go on our merry way. Eternity. Eternity. God has put eternity in man's heart. And yet there's this eternity gap, this meaning gap. Uh, Solomon would have said, I know there's eternity in the hearts of men. We, we long for something more. We're more than animals. When we die, there has to be something more. But I can't put my mind around it because I don't know. See, here's the beauty of Easter. Easter explains, answers, and transforms the tension and futility of Ecclesiastes. It's the launching pad for the gospel message. How, you ask, how? Well, if you go back to Romans chapter 8, he had just said, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. That's God subjected creation 
to brokenness when sin entered the world. But it says, because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope, but for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Here's the last word I'm going to ask you to write down. We've looked at temporal. We've looked at futility. Now, hope. Hope. Listen, the gospel explains the creation fall tension But the gospel also adds that the creation fall tension and the temporalness that was brought to our world and our lives and everything we touch and do and say, that God entered this world, Jesus Christ came and he died on the cross and he was raised from the dead to break the bondage to futility and temporalness. Not only does the gospel explain the creation and fall and solve the fall with the cross and the resurrection, but it points us to the new creation. God gives clarity to Solomon's perspective and hope to those who embrace eternal life in Jesus Christ. Now think with me about this. If you're going to be going through this study, which I hope you will be here every week, as we go through this study, you really should be thinking of four chapters. The first one is read Genesis 1. And two, but they go together. Then second of all, read Genesis 3. That's where everything comes apart. And that's where Solomon is looking. He can only look that far, but by the grace of God, we can move ahead and read Romans 8, which tells us about the hope to come. And then one more chapter, Revelation 21, the new creation. God is doing a new thing. Someday death itself will be dead. The temporariness that death brings to every one of our lives will itself be put down and life will be eternal. John 3:16 says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. The grip of temporal, the grip of futility has been broken. I would ask you today, have you embraced that reality fully? If you haven't, we would love to talk you through that and pray you through that. Or maybe you're here and you're a discouraged believer and maybe you're even a believer that's living so much for a temporal world and everything you're doing is about now and about today. You're really not living for eternity. And God's call to you today is to pull out of living like it's only creation and the fall that exists and to pull out of that and to begin to live for eternity, to set your values and your energy and everything about you on eternal life. We live in the temporary, but we live for eternal life. As the butterfly sheds its caterpillarness, so we shall shed our temporariness and be transformed 
in freedom to live eternal life in Jesus Christ. That is the promise of the gospel. Father, I thank you for this study. I thank you for these words inspired by your spirit that were written by the King Solomon for our instruction. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here whose life is dominated by living for this world, for living for the now, I pray that you would open their eyes to the gospel or refresh their heart in the gospel, that they might live not with a compulsion or obsession with the temporary, but Lord, that you would lift us up, that no longer are we subject to temporariness. We have within us eternal life. Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio. If you missed part of today's message or would like to hear other messages from Pastor Luke Aarons, please visit our archive of Meeting with God radio programs at our website, verticalchurch.life. There you'll find a collection of past messages from God's Word, which you can listen to easily, as well as share with your family and friends. Also on our website, you can learn how to connect with Vertical Church personally if you're in Columbus or leave a prayer request. As always, we hope you'll join us here tomorrow at the very same time for your meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.